Thanks for checking out this sermon at New Beginnings. As a church, we exist to become an authentic, biblical community. That transforms our city and impacts the world. With the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to make you aware of a few things before we begin. First, we would love to connect with you on our website. NBBCTX.org. There you can find more information about who we are. Additional resources and links to our social media network. As well as an opportunity to give. To what God is doing in and through our church. We hope you enjoy this message. My dad was, uh, was one of my heroes. I am so grateful for my dad. He, he was the best man in my wedding. Um, and until I met and married my wife, uh, my dad was my first phone call. Anytime I needed some advice, some wisdom, or just a word of encouragement. I was blessed by my dad, pointed me to Jesus, and uh, and I, I just, I love my dad. But I know that today being Father's Day, I, I, I recognize that not everyone has that same type of relationship with their own father. Uh, so some of you ha- had a di- very different experience. And today being Father's Day is not necessarily a day of uh, great joy and appreciation and reflection, but rather it's a day of, of remembering and maybe even mourning, grieving and, and hurting and, and Here's why. The father wound is a real thing. And a number of you carry a father wound for a variety of reasons. Some of you suffer a wound from a father because he was abusive. Maybe it was words he spoke or actions he took, and it was just abusive in nature. And therefore, you carry a wound around from your dad because of the way in which that relationship was built. Others of you, maybe your dad was absent So you didn't know your dad, maybe even like mine, he's now passed away, and so you're missing him on this day. There's a wound there because of an absence in the relationship you have with your father. Some of you have a present but absent father. You know what I'm talking about? Like, he may sleep down the hall, but your dad isn't involved in your life. And so some of you carry a deep wound with you because your dad was present but absent. Others of you, maybe you're wounded because... You were raised under an achievement father. Your relationship with your dad was tied to the success on the athletic field or the success in the classroom or the achievement in the boardroom or the way in which you uh, were able to be successful in this venture or in, in that. And so you carry a wound around as a result of that relationship. Listen, the father wound is, is real. But Why? Why is it that the relationship we have with our dads is so polarizing? It's either one that yields gratitude and joy, or it's one that yields frustration and and sadness. And here's why. Because by God's design, the role of the father in the family is critically important to the health of that family. And the father wound is one that nobody can escape. It's common to everyone who has experienced any relationship with their dad, whether it be a good one or not so good. Anybody can be wounded by a father. No one is able to escape that reality. In fact, just to prove my point, I want to invite you to do me a favor and turn your attentions to the screen. And all I remember is your back Walking towards the airport, leaving us all 
heavy, right? How many of you remember seeing that? Have you ever seen that before, anybody? It's pretty powerful. There's Kelly Clarkson, the winner of American Idol. She's been a pop icon for 10 years, and she's singing about the wounds of a father, and so damaged is she that she can't get through the song. And all of us, wiping tears away, can relate to that. The father wound is, it's real. And so it begs us to ask the question today, this Father's Day, how can we 
move forward? Or, in the form of two questions, let's think about it this way. How do we heal if we have wounds from a father? And how can we be the father that God wants us to be? So with that emotional backdrop leading us to where we're going today, let me encourage you to grab your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, where we're going to start reading in verse number 9. Mark, chapter 1, we'll start reading in verse number 9. This is the second book in our New Testament, and uh, I want to encourage you to go to Mark, chapter 1. Now, as you're turning there, um, here's where we are in the story. Essentially, we don't have a lot about the life of Jesus prior to him embarking upon his earthly ministry uh, for the last three years of his life. We know about Jesus' birth from what's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Mark and Luke, but we really don't know a lot about the childhood or adolescence of Jesus, save for one small detail recorded in Luke's Gospel that tells us that Jesus was lost by his parents one time on a trip to Jerusalem for a Jewish uh, celebration and that when they couldn't find where he was, Jesus was in the temple uh, spending time worshiping uh, God. And the Bible only says about those formative years of Jesus that he grew in fear, I mean, in wisdom and stature. And so we don't know much ab about what the uh, life of Jesus was in his raising, but we do know extensively from the gospel accounts of the last three years of his life what it looked like for Jesus to engage in his earthly ministry. And so about the age of 30, scholars tell us that Jesus then begins this, and it almost seems quite abrupt as to how it gets its start. This is really the first recorded story of the ministry life of Jesus as it begins. This is Mark chapter 1, starting in verse number 9. If you're there, say, I'm there. The Bible says, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. This is a profound passage, and it has great theological significance. There's just a couple of things that I'll point out to you that I don't have time uh, today to preach. But the first is, this is one of the primary texts where we draw our doctrine of baptism. We believe in the baptism by immersion primarily because of this particular text, which tells us that when Jesus came up out of the water, well, the only way you come up out of the water is if you have not also first gone into the water. And so when we baptize a person by immersion, that is because Jesus was likewise baptized by immersion. Secondly, we get a, a primary understanding of our doctrine of the Trinity from this text as well. We see all three persons of the Trinity prominent in this moment in the life of Jesus. The Father speaks from heaven, the Son is in the water, and the Spirit descends from heaven on Jesus like a dove. And so we get a good understanding of the doctrine of the Trinity right here. But for the sake of time today, I just want us to concentrate on the powerful exchange between God the Father as he speaks to God the Son 
as he prepares for his life in ministry. So I want to go back and tackle our two questions, but I want to do so taking them one at a time. The first question is this, how do we heal if we have wounds from a father? Well, listen, the only way for us to heal from any wound in our life is for God to be the one that we entrust to mend it. And this is most importantly true of the father wound. And it's important that we know there is a fundamental difference between the healing of a wound and the removal of a scar. Let me see if I can explain. When a wound is healed, that means the body has been restored. But the scar remains uh, indicating that there was once something that had happened and the healing has subsequently taken its place. Listen, believers, religion is built on the plea for God to remove scars. But God doesn't remove scars. He heals wounds and he uses scars to tell the story of his grace in healing our wounds. Some of us, some of us with regard to the wounds from our fathers, we're begging Jesus to to remove scars and what we need to ask him for is to heal wounds. Because scars tell stories. And when Jesus gets involved there, the story of his healing a wound, which was before. And so allow me to plead with you this morning. If you are here today and you carry a wound from a father for any reason, then I want to beg you to turn that over to Jesus so that he can heal it. And then watch what he does with the story from your scar. And here's why you and I can be confident in that. Because the Bible says that everything God says about Jesus, he says about you. Let me show you. In John chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, it'll be on the screen. In John chapter 1, verse 12, this is what God's word says. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So, So look at me. If you're here today and you have received by faith Jesus Christ... And you are, you, you are right with God. You have believed in his name. Then you have become a child of God. You're in the Father's forever family. So if that's true, then what God says about Jesus, he says about you. Because when the Father speaks to his son, he now speaks to us as his kids. So then let's pay some attention. What does God say to Jesus? Look again at verse 11. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. There are three specific things that God says as the perfect dad to his children. The first is this. God gives Jesus his total affirmation. He gives to Jesus his total affirmation. He says, you're my son. You belong to me. I claim you. It is a statement of identity. And think about the significance of identity and discovering a place where you belong. In this powerful moment of Jesus' baptism, God says, this is my son. He belongs to me. I identify myself with him. It's a powerful moment. 
Because identity is a powerful thing. Um, this week, uh, Catherine is at beach camp uh, with the student ministry from Prestonwood. Mary and I really wanted her to try uh, to go this summer and to develop some relationships because as a 15-year-old, it's difficult uh, to try to transition midstream. And so we're trying to help uh, Catherine get acclimated as quickly as possible to our new ministry assignment in Dallas. And so she's at beach camp and she only knew one other person and they had never met prior. Uh, moms had gotten them connected and they were text messaging uh, back and, and forth. And so you could say that fear and trepidation had set in when we were driving her to drop her off uh, uh, for, for camp because they were about to get on buses and ride to Florida for 12 hours and she was going to be with 600 of her closest friends that she had never met. So she was nervous, okay? And so when we walked in to check in, uh, very quickly we were able to make the connection with this other family, and this little girl, Courtney, walked up and she said, are you Catherine? She said, yes. She said, I'm Courtney. And they both squealed and hugged, and there was this immediate connection. And then Courtney said, and I want to introduce you to so-and-so and so-and-so. And then they started squealing and hugging, and they went and sat down. And she wouldn't, I was like, so excited, but also like so relieved at the same time, right? Because my daughter instantly had this point of connection. There was this identity that she now had as being someone who belonged. It's a powerful thing. Well, listen, God the Father in this moment speaks and says, He's with me. So I want to say to you, if you are in Christ, look up here at me. It doesn't matter what your earthly father said or never said. God the Father says, you're with me. You belong. I claim you. You are my kiddo. This is what God says of his son, Jesus, and this is what he says of you and me. You're mine. You belong to me. And it's a powerful thing when we recognize that we are affirmed by our heavenly Father, regardless of whether or not we were by our earthly one. Here's the second thing God says. He gives Jesus his unconditional love. His unconditional love. The word beloved, it means one who is much loved. This is a powerful moment because in context, God declares his unconditional love for Jesus. And Jesus has seemingly done nothing to earn or deserve that. Like, think with me about where we are in our story, okay? So, we don't know much about the rearing of Jesus, but we know that the Bible just explodes with the earthly ministry the last three years of his life. And in that season, we're going to see Jesus walk on water. We're going to see Jesus turn water into wine. We're going to see Jesus multiply bread and feed 5,000 people. We're going to see Jesus cast out demons. He's going to calm storms. And he's ultimately going to die for the salvation of humanity he's done none of it he's done none of it and in this moment God says this is my son and I love him I'm crazy about him I give my unconditional love to this man and he's done nothing to earn or deserve it it's powerful it's powerful like in a, in a world where we live and so much of how we treat others is dependent upon what they do for us, God displays an unconditional love for his son Jesus that, listen, he has shown and displayed to us. I'll tell you where I have seen this 
um, uh, displayed uh, most prominently, not, not, not perfectly, but um, Mary and I have the opportunity to go every summer with our kids uh, to Johnny and Friends uh, Family Retreat. I think I've told you about this ministry before. You know, Johnny Erickson Tata has a, an incredible ministry, international ministry for families that have an individual with a disability or special need. And I got invited six years ago to serve as camp pastor uh, for one of the family retreats that's held here in Texas. And as a result, my family gets to go and participate. And so it's an awesome opportunity for us to go and to serve and to share, but also for my family to be ministered to and well cared for. And uh, my favorite part of uh, family retreat is talent show. It's just incredible um, because these individuals, these kids and, and adults with a variety of special needs and disabilities uh, will participate in this talent show and the affection that they are shown and the appreciation that is had for these individuals who will sing or who will dance or who will perform it is, is truly remarkable. In fact, there's one young lady named Desi and uh, and, and she has a cerebral palsy, and she's wheelchair-bound and has very limited vocabulary. And she's a cheerleader. And she puts on her uniform in her chair and does her cheer with her uh, 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 missionaries, the, the council, camp counselors at her side, who have learned the cheer as well. And listen, you should see the excitement in the audience as she leads us in this yell. And her mom and dad are on the front row, and they film every year. And they're crying, and the dad's filming, and it's exciting. Listen, and the world would say she's not doing any of it right. Except her father has this unconditional love for her. That it, he sees not her performance, but he sees her. And not because, of, not because of what she does or does not do, but because of who she is, because she belongs to him. Do you understand? So, so listen, look at me. All of us are messed up trying to do our own talent show. And our Heavenly Father looks at us with an unconditional love and says, it's not about how well you do. It's about who you are and you belong to me. This is my beloved son. He's mine. And I'm crazy about him. I know, look at me. I know some of you never heard I love you from your dad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you never heard that. I know some of you dads have not been good about saying I love you to your kids. Okay. But there is a heavenly father who loves us with a perfect love. It's an unconditional love. And the only reason he gives it is because we belong to him. And he said it to Jesus and he says it to us. Here's the third thing God does. He has from Jesus his complete joy. He has from Jesus his complete joy. Finally, God says, you're my son whom I love, and with you I'm completely pleased. I'm totally happy. You bring me such joy. And it's not because of anything you've done. It's because you're mine. And this is huge because in our world where our pleasure, joy, and contentment is tied to someone or something based upon what we get from them, God gives his joy because Jesus is his, and he belongs to him. And again, go back to our story. He hadn't even been driven into the wilderness yet. He hadn't even fasted 40 days and faced temptation from the enemy and overcome Satan three different times and been ministered to by the angels. 
He hasn't turned water into wine at Cana. He hasn't cast out legions of demons into the pigs on the hillside and then they drown themselves into the sea. He hasn't healed the woman with the bleeding disorder for 12 years. He hasn't calmed the storm or walked on the water or fed 5,000. He's done none of that. And God says, I'm so proud of you. You bring me such joy. Why? Because you're mine and I love you. So think about the confidence then that Jesus must have had knowing that there was not a momentary event that delivered this pleasure in God, but rather it's built on something that's so much greater that only identity and love could provide. So if this is what God says of his son Jesus, then this is what he says of you and me. This morning, all morning, our preschool ministry will be ministering to our little ones. It's an awesome place, by the way. One of the things you should love about New Beginnings is that we don't do child care. We don't. We minister to kids of all ages and stages. So whether or not you have a baby in there or you're in an adult life group, we are going to talk about the person and work of Jesus. You may be sung over or uh, read to, but it's going to be pointing you to Jesus Christ. And our preschool ministry um, is powerful because they will teach the Bible and share the Bible and engage um, the kiddos with the Bible, and then usually the kiddos have some type of a craft that they will do that is uh, associated with that story from the Bible. And, and I don't know uh, when the last time was you uh, examined a, a preschool craft. They're terrible. I mean, I, I have a preschooler. I'm telling you, they're awful. Glue smeared everywhere, glitter sprinkled all across the page. No one colors in the lines. Names are misspelled. Their own names are misspelled. All right? It's terrible. Except for the parent of the kid who made the craft. And then what? It's amazing. You're like, I don't care. Like, I'm so proud. You didn't spell it right, but it doesn't matter. You knew you had a name. Look, guys, she knew we named her. We're so proud. Well, listen, don't you see, in our lives, we spend a lot of time coloring outside the lines? Like a lot of us have a decade of smeared glue. And God's not saying, he's, hey, look, he's not, I know your earthly dad might have tied a lot of his joy into your accomplishment, but not your heavenly father. Your heavenly father hadn't done that. He knows exactly your mess-ups. He knows exactly what you've done. And he says, I'm proud of you. You bring me such joy. Why? Because you're mine. And I love you. And so, this leads us then to ask our second question. How can we then, in light of the Father that God is, be the Father that He wants us to be? Can we just be honest this morning and admit that parenting is hard? Can I get a witness? Yeah. All right. So I actually heard a guy talk not long ago, and he said, uh, most people say parenting is humbling, but not if you're doing it right. If you're doing it right, parenting is humiliating. And every parent in the room knows that's true, right? It's humiliating. 
That's how difficult it is. So dads, look up here at me. If you're struggling in the dad department, welcome to the team. This is hard. And let's remember that there is a perfect heavenly father. He never yells at his kids through gritted teeth. He doesn't respond selfishly and disengage. He doesn't punish his kids too harshly when he's had a bad day at work. So let's point our children to him. Dads, let's make Jesus the hero in our home. And when we do that, then the wounds we're responsible for will become scars with stories that tell about Jesus. You get like you know you're going to wound your kids. You're flawed. You're messed up. And that mess up shows up most often in the people that are closest to you. And so if we'll point our kids to Jesus, then he heals those wounds and the scars tell stories of his goodness and grace in their life. So practically speaking, I want us to learn from our perfect heavenly father as to how you and I can lead as broken earthly dads. So if you're taking notes, let me encourage you to write this down. Dads, this is for you. Dads, I want to encourage you to give your kids total affirmation. Give your kids total affirmation. Give them their identity. Give them your name. Engage your children in a meaningful way so that they know without a shadow of a doubt that they belong. So listen, um, in our family, I'll just, th- I, this is not new to me. I borrowed this from a, a family friend that I know and love. And uh, we have deployed it for 15 years. In our family, when I drop my kids off, including this week at camp, which I kissed Catherine on the head and then I asked her if I could pray for her. She wouldn't let me pray for her. We've like crossed over. Mary says I got to get over it. I'm fine. (laughs) But when I kissed her on the head, I said, just remember, you're a Bales girl. And here's what that means. That means that you belong to Jesus Christ and you belong to us. And nothing can change either of those things. Nothing. You're a Bales girl. So when I take, listen, I take Libby and Hannah to school. And when I get them out of the car and put them in their chairs and buckle them in, I will lean down and I will kiss them. And I'll say, hey, you're a Bales girl. Be a leader and make good choices. Because I want my kids to know that you belong to Jesus and you belong to us. And there is nothing that you can do that will change that. So give your kids Total affirmation. Let them know that they belong to God and they belong to you. And there is nothing that they could do good, successfully, with achievement or bad, falling face down that would change that. Give them total affirmation. The second thing is give your children unconditional love. Did you hear what Kelly Clarkson sang? She was crying, so it was hard to make it out. But she said, your love, it isn't free. It has to be earned. Give your kids the security of a love for no other reason than God has given them to you. 
Give your kids that kind of a security, knowing that you love them for this reason God gave them to you. So dads, here's a couple of questions um, I would encourage you to ask. So ask your kids this over and often. Ready? You know that dad loves you? Did you know that there is nothing you could do that would make me love you more? And did you know there is nothing you could do that would make me love you less? I don't love you perfectly, but I love you completely. I love you. I am crazy about you. You with me? And here's why. Because isn't that the way our Heavenly Father loves us? You remember, right? We're the talent show. With our disabilities and shortcomings, mishaps and missteps, this is us. And our Heavenly Father's on the front row filming with tears streaming down His face because He loves us. He doesn't love what we do. He doesn't love how we act. He loves us. In fact, sometimes what we do grieves Him and sometimes the way we act makes Him sad. But He never stops loving us. And so dads, you need to show that same unconditional love to your kids because in Christ it has been shown to you. And then number three, dads, find in your kids complete joy. Be proud of your children and let them know it, but don't tie your joy to their accomplishment. Remember how God sees you and look at your kids the exact same way. They're going to color outside the lines. They're going to smear glue for a year at a time. But don't tie your joy to your kid's accomplishment. And here's why. Because when we do that, we unintentionally make our kids our God. Because we find our joy, our satisfaction, and our completeness in what they do. And guess what? Kids were never intended to carry that weight. And when we put that on them, they will collapse underneath it. And when they fail and they're going to, our world comes undone and they respond accordingly. And if you don't believe me, ask any teacher, educator in the room, any coach who has ever shepherded a child whose parent leads them that way. That kid will be so bound up before every game or bound up before every test or undone the first time they make a grade that displeases mom or dad. Why? Because we have made them our God. So find in your children complete joy, but don't tie their achievement to any of it. I'm going to say two last things in closing, and then we'll have an opportunity to pray and respond. And the first thing is this. If you are discouraged this morning because you're no, you know you're falling short as a dad, okay, I get it. I, th- I actually believe you should thank God for that conviction. Look, look at me. I don't believe you should feel shame. That comes from the enemy. But I do believe you should listen to this conviction because I believe that's the work of God's Holy Spirit. And just remember, the sin you feel and you are made aware of as a dad who is falling short just reminds you that you're human and you have an ongoing need for Jesus. So you're going to be short-tempered. You're going to have some bad days when you come home and you fly off the handle and you shouldn't. 
Can I just give you five things I think you should hold on to? If you're a dad who's discouraged today, let me just give you a few thoughts. The first is this. Confess when you fail. Just own it, right? Just confess it. Confess when you fail. Say, I blew that. That's my bad. I'm sorry. Confess. Just own your failures. It just makes you human and in need of Jesus. Repent. Repent of the things you are doing that you know to be wrong. If the Spirit of God is speaking to you today and you're a dad who knows you're falling short, then repent of that. Repentance is the idea of turning from. You understand? So, dads, we stink at directions. We will drive 10 miles in the opposite direction before we will admit that we are doing wrong and go the other way. So, listen, repentance is hard for us. So, repenting is the idea of turning from, acknowledging this way of discipline, this way of loving, this way of leading, this way of teasing, this way of coaching, this way of encouraging. It's not working. So, I'm going to turn and go the other way instead. All right, ready? Ask for forgiveness. Can I just tell you it's hard? It's hard to ask the forgiveness of a five-year-old. But man, is it necessary because sometimes this dad flies off the handle and is rude or dismissive or disinterested. Ask for forgiveness. Number four, trust in Jesus who forgives. Don't trust in how you feel. Don't even trust in how your kids respond. Trust in Jesus. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of them and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Right? So trust in Jesus. And number five, work hard at your calling as a father. Just because you're biologically a father doesn't make you practically a dad. I'm going to say that again because somebody needs to hear it. Just because biologically you're a father does not mean practically you're a dad. Here's what I've learned in 15 and a half years of being a dad. It's hard work. It's hard work. It is get up early, roll your sleeves up, and work your tail off all day kind of stuff. It's hard work, and I mess up at it. But I'm called to it, and so I'm committed to it, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get after it. So some of you that are biologically fathers, you need to practically work on being a dad. If you're here this morning and you're discouraged, trust in Jesus. The second thing I want to say is if you are a single parent or if you're a child who is without a father for any reason, I want you to remember that where the ideal is lacking, the grace of God abounds. So single moms, you're wearing all the hats. Where the ideal is lacking, the grace of God abounds. Single dads, you're wearing all the hats. Where the ideal is lacking, the grace of God abounds. If you're an adult carrying around a wound from your father from your childhood and your dad is now gone, where the ideal is lacking, the grace of God abounds. 
if you're a kid and you are estranged from your dad, where the ideal is lacking, the grace of God abounds. And where an earthly dad has failed you, your heavenly father loves you in a perfect way. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What God the Father says about Jesus the Son, God the Father says about you. Look at me. I don't know what your earthly dad did or did not say. I don't know how your earthly dad did or did not love. But I know this. God the Father says, this is my beloved Son. In Him I am well pleased. He looks at you and says, you're mine. I love you. And I'm proud of you. And if that's how your Heavenly Father sees you, then regardless of what your earthly father did, you can be the father that in Christ he has called and equipped you to be. So here's what I know. I know this morning's sermon sometimes can strike a nerve. Prayerfully, by God's grace, it can heal a wound. And so our staff, our elders and spouses, we're going to be here at the front of the room. We are going to pray and sing a song of response. The song is Good, Good Father. And so I'm going to encourage you as we sing, regardless of where you are as a father or where you are with your father, if you want us to pray with you or pray for you today, then would you come forward and just trust us with that? Because look at me. The father wound is real. And Jesus heals our wounds and our scars become our stories that tell of the work he has done. He is in fact a good father, even though there's a lot of times when we are not. Let's pray. Father, thanks for the day. Thanks for the men in my life. Thanks for the dads and the men in this room. Lord, I pray for those of us that carry around a wound for any reason from a father. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us and minister to us in a way that could not be explained except that it belongs to you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We're desperate for you. Acknowledge helplessness apart from you, independence upon you. So in the name above every name, in the name of Jesus, I pray that in these next few minutes you would move. You are in fact a perfect God, a perfect father that heals kids that have been wounded by an imperfect earthly dad. We love you and we trust you, so we're asking you to do this good work now in Jesus' name.